Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and today we welcome J.D. Scholten to the podcast. And if you're unfamiliar with J.D., he is a former professional pitcher, current candidate running for the Iowa House, and there is no other person that I've come across on Twitter that loves to talk baseball, loves to pitch more than this guy And he's been trying to pitch in Dubuque County for quite some time. He finally made the venture up here. We're going to hear about his experience. And his number one goal, and while I love him on Twitter, is he wants to end major league blackouts, especially in Iowa. J.D. Schulten, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. I, so I, I hail from Sioux City. So, I mean, we got high, Highway 20 as our big connector. Perfect. And not too far. Um, it seems like in Iowa, you can get anywhere uh, within five hours, which, which is always good. But <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to talk some baseball. So first question, when did you first start playing baseball? And when did you really get a love and passion for the game? I mean, it all comes from my dad. Uh, my dad actually played at Loris uh, way back in the day. And uh, he, he ended up being, when I was born, uh, he was the head baseball and basketball coach at Nevada High School. He was a grad assistant with Iowa State University. And then uh, he got the head baseball job at Morningside College in 83 or 84. And then that's when my family moved to Sioux City. And so... Uh, I was born with a ball in my crib and, and I just loved playing. Uh, couldn't get enough of it. There's, there's a, a picture, um, that in my political world, uh, uh, I, I have when I was 10 years old with Tom Harkin and I have my baseball cleats on. <laughs> That's how much I love baseball is that I wore my baseball cleats as my regular shoes. I mean, they were, they were not the, uh, they're not the cleats, uh, type when you're in little league, you, you just, you don't have the regular cleat stuff, but, uh, yeah, so I've always had the passion, and and even uh, this week, like I love going out to the field and just throwing and competing, and and uh, I just finished a, an alumni game at Morningside College, um, threw four innings, gave up one earned run, I think two hits, four Ks, no walks. Um, so just being able to compete at forty two years old against college kids, it's 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 fun. I'm glad you told me you were 42 because off mic, I was going to ask you your age. I was pretty confident you were 44. So, uh, so thank you for sharing with us that you were 42. I have to ask a question about the cleats. So old school cleats, when you and I played, they were the rubber cleats or the molded plastic cleats. So which one did you have? They, they were the rubber. I had, there were McGregor's that my dad uh, would buy. We'd got, bought them at Kmart. And I remember 
so when I was 10 and 11, we got him at Kmart. And then when I turned 12, uh, he, my dad's, I, I love him to death, but he doesn't buy, uh, he, he, he likes to go for the cheaper stuff. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the cleats that he bought me were not very good. In fact, I still have a scar on the top of my foot from one of them. Uh, but, but, uh, when I turned 12, he, he said, uh, this is the year you're going to get Nike shoes. And so I got uh, a nice pair of cleats when I, for little league and, and for 12 year olds. You can follow the era of baseball just based on cleats. Cause I, I we were the rubberized <laughs> ones. And then ultimately the older we got, then they were the molded plastic ones. And then when you got to high school, they were the metal spikes and now they're interchangeable depending on whether you're playing on, on turf or not. Tell us about your background, JD in, in high school, where did you play? And when did you realize you had a chance to play college baseball? Yeah, so I played at Sioux City East, and I got moved up to varsity as a sophomore, and we were really good. My sophomore team, uh, we were, I think, number two the entire season right behind Indianola. Uh, Indianola got upset and didn't make the state tournament, and we ended up losing uh, the championship game to Ottumwa. Uh, uh, Jim McGrain uh, came and just, he was a stud. Uh, and, and beat us that year to come back my junior year. We were really good again, but a, a way different team, a uh, new team. And we made it to the state championship game again, and we lost to Atama again. And so uh, I joke in my current world, uh, in my political world, that I could never run statewide because I couldn't campaign in Atama because I'm too bitter uh, from high school days. But, uh, um, you, you know, I played a lot of uh, when Perfect Game started. That's when uh, I was I was doing a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I'm six six. It was kind of grown into my body. And so, uh, high school, I, I was kind of a late bloomer, to be honest. And so, I, I was getting D one offers, but then when your dad is recruiting you and to play D two, it's hard to say no. And and so I decided to play at Morningside. I uh, had three good years there and did all I could, had a chance to get drafted. I turned it down and then uh, got offered to play at University of Nebraska, which was very bitter sweet for me because I'm not a Nebraska football fan whatsoever. <laughs> um, and so it was a little weird to go there, but they were a top eight team. We made it to the College World Series my senior year. I led the team in ERA, didn't get a ton of innings. Uh, and, and in fact, this weekend is my College World Series 20th uh, reunion and uh, getting to see all those guys. That's one of the best experiences of my life was was that team. And so um, the, and the university has treated me very well, uh, despite my uh, uh, not liking some of the other programs um, as a fan, as a fan. Um, but overall, uh, after that, I, I had a chance to play indie ball, uh, played up in Canada for a little bit, played uh, four seasons with my hometown, Sioux City Explorers, uh, played in Europe, uh, got to play in Belgium twice, in Germany, uh, a little bit in the Netherlands and France. And then um, I ended up working out in Seattle, got offered a job out there uh, uh, in, as a paralegal. And when I was out there, I was trying to find a baseball team to play for. And I, there was a college age uh, summer team, um, but you, as long as you have amateur status, you're allowed to play. I played in it. Uh, the second year I played there, we qualified for the NBC World Series down in Wichita, uh, pitched uh, uh, against a Saint Barbara or, or Santa Barbara Foresters team that was a two time defending champion. And I 
I held them for seven innings. Uh, we, we lost ultimately, I think, uh, we lost four nothing or something like that. Their coach was impressed, uh, and asked me to pitch on this team that went to Cuba. And so I got to uh, pitch in Cuba for 10 days of exhibition games against, it was like their spring training against their top teams. Uh, I faced Yos, Yos, uh, Yosmani Tomas, who had a very hard single off me. Um, and, and then I was done for about seven years and, uh, COVID happened and I'm at home on a Saturday night, uh, and just went down a YouTube rabbit hole about pitching mechanics. And I immediately the next day bought a couple dozen balls and a net started throwing again, reached out, uh, to my, uh, uh, town team ball uh, that I played in Minnesota about a decade ago and said, Hey, do you need another pitcher? And I go, I don't know what I got, but I, I'll give you my everything. And so I uh, ended up pitching for them last year, and then I pitched for them this summer as well. I do have a couple questions for you. You talked about your college yeah. experience. When you had an opportunity to get drafted, where would that have been? Who was looking at you? And ultimately, why did you turn that down? Because I think uh, as a little kid who – kids who strive to play baseball or love baseball, their ultimate dream is to play professional baseball with in the MLB. So what were the circumstances surrounding that? Yeah, it was around the 32nd round in 2001. And so uh, the, the angels called and said, Hey, you're next on our list. Uh, you're coming up, our, our draft picks coming up and we're going to offer you a thousand dollars. And I didn't know that you're supposed to say yes and then just negotiate after that. I just assumed like that was it. Um, I was pretty naive in the whole situation. The other part of it too was like, I came from Morningside college, which was not, I mean, we were a D2 school. Um, I didn't know if I could play with the big boys or not. And then you realize that like there's so many different levels that there's a level for everybody in pro ball. And so, uh, uh, I was a little, like I said, I was a late bloomer and a little bit raw. And so uh, I could throw hard and my ball moved and that's been my bread and butter uh, for 20 some years now. But, uh, and so I, I thought, you know, maybe try and go one year at division one uh, to get some experience under my belt and, and then try and do the same thing. I, I felt I could get the same offer the next year. Uh, unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, I, I don't regret uh, turning it down because my experience with Nebraska was so special uh and and being i mean getting an opportunity to play in the Caldwell series was was unbelievable uh and then but but i do wish i i would have had a chance to play affiliated ball i mean i had plenty of chances in indie ball if i would have done well there's times when i was doing really well and and i was getting calls from scouts saying hey uh we might pick you up type stuff but ultimately didn't happen Congratulations on making it to the College World Series, and I hate to say the anniversary, the 20-year anniversary, because that, that ages us, and I already aged you two years in what you really were earlier. I think of that Nebraska baseball program, and you are right, they, they are and were a top eight program. Did you play with anybody that had some success at the major league? The name that pops into my mind is Darren Ersted, who was a great baseball player, great punter. Did you have the likes of playing with him or anybody that uh, had some MLB time? So he was 
they won the call, or I'm sorry, they won the World Series with uh, with the Angels. He did when the year that I was at Nebraska, and so uh, he was playing pro ball at that time, well into his career. Uh, but I got to know him when he came back a little bit. Um, my uh, the 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 best player we had on our team was Shane Komine, who is getting inducted into the Nebraska Hall of Fame. Five eight little Hawaiian pitcher, but he was our Friday night guy for four straight years. Uh, could throw four pitches for strikes and and just change speed. He was he was just a stud. He, I, I think he, I mean, has so many record books because he was there for four years. Most pitchers aren't there for four years in Big Twelve baseball in the conference. He holds a lot of the records and um, just when you have a Friday night guy like that at the D one level, it changes your whole program because you know you're going to get a win. He's going eight nine innings. And then your, the rest of the guys just get a few innings the rest of the uh, weekend. And so that's part of the reason why I didn't uh, get a ton of innings is because he hogged all the innings, but uh, rightfully so. But uh, my, my bullpen partner uh, during the off, like during the winter trainings and everything was Brian Dunsing, who, who played a long time, a left-handed reliever. And then the year after me is when a lot of the bigger name folks uh, came in. Uh, that's when Jabba Chamberlain and uh, Alex Gordon um, were there. Uh, and then my good friend who uh, was a year after that or two years after that uh, was t- uh, Tony Watson, who just retired after uh, being in the bigs for 10 years and is the MLB record holder for most holds. Um, so it's a unique thing, but uh, he's an Iowa boy. And uh, anytime, especially at Nebraska, I always try to pay a little bit of extra attention to the Iowa kids who who go over there to play some ball. The one thing I love about following you, besides the ending MLB blackouts, and I and I always do love your support of teachers and educators. Thank you for that. But I love uh, seeing your tweets about your baseball experiences and whether it's watching or whether it's playing. Now you from what it seems like travel to a lot of different leagues, travel to a lot of different areas around Iowa to pitch and to play in some of these leagues. Now Dubuque County is, is known for some unique experiences in the semi-pro. I can think of a time when we had Mitch Williams show up and pitch a semi-pro tournament. And I think they sold 28 kegs of beer, just the one (laughs) game that he pitched and he drilled the first batter he faced, which depending on who you talk to was staged or was not staged. There's varying stories, but we're going to get to Dubuque County next, but what were some of those either unique or just odd or fun experiences that you had pitching all throughout the state of Iowa? Oh man. Um, well, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like I said, I was a late bloomer. I didn't pitch a lot in high school until my senior year. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of, I, I was a first baseman and I also, uh, was really decent at uh, basketball and I was getting recruited more for basketball than I was for baseball. Uh, so kind of the, the baseball, just kind of focusing on that, it's just kind of been more recent when I haven't been distracted with other stuff. And so, um, I, and, and at this point, I'm just trying to do different things. And like, I haven't played at Rippy yet. Uh, the, the small town with the uh, Walt Anderson field. I would love to do there any chance like Carol's uh, baseball field, uh, an opportunity to play there. The, the difficult thing is in Western Iowa, we just don't have the baseball like you do in Dubuque County. And it's a shame we used to have a bunch of town teams, uh, uh, 
all in Western Iowa, but now, I mean, Sioux City doesn't anymore. Uh, you have to go play in the South Dakota League, and, and that's a, a whole different thing. And so uh, I'm just trying to find experiences. I, this summer, I got to go down to Kansas City and pitch at Satchel Page uh, Stadium in, in a tournament. That was, I mean, just beautiful stadium, old school stadium. Uh, anytime you can, I can get on a decent mound, especially in those old stadiums. I, I love just to going out there and competing. Don't care if it's against college guys or against old 40 and over. It's just, it's fun. It's always great too because those older stadiums have such a historic field and then if you talk to the people in the town you get some get some great backstories to go along with those fields as well automotive care solutions is a proud sponsor of the dubuque area baseball podcast acs is owned and operated by nate dirt hall and is located in beautiful downtown dyersville acs offers services such as exterior and interior detailing buffing waxing ceramic coating rust proofing and undercoating They welcome all cars, trucks, tractors, semis, campers, boats, and so much more. To make your appointment convenient, they also offer a courtesy vehicle. Pickup and drop-offs are available within a 15-mile radius of Dyersville. To request a quote or schedule an appointment, call 563-581-8244 or email acsdyersville at gmail.com. Now, I do want to talk about your experience playing in Dubuque County. This has been something that you and I have been going back and forth for, for a while now, so I was glad we were finally able to make it happen. My Twitter handle, if you don't follow me, give me a follow at Coach Manaman, is sometimes deceiving because college kids and high school kids will come to me thinking that I can connect them with a college program or a semi-pro team, which now I'm able to, but I'm, I'm no longer coaching in the area. But when you decided that you wanted to pitch in Dubuque County, what were some of the things that you heard about Dubuque County baseball prior to coming here to play? Well, I didn't really know about it until maybe last year, I want to say, because again, other side of the state and just, um, and then I asked my dad about it and my dad's like, Oh yeah, I I used to pitch for that in in the summers when I was at Loris and and right afterwards as well. And so uh, then just doing the research and the history of it, it, it's so town team ball in Minnesota, every town, almost every town has a team and like, it, it, but it's like throughout the state, not just concentrated uh, like Dubuque County. And so it's, it's kind of similar to that. Um, and and so like that, just the the rivalries and, and being able to play like for your hometown, like just it, it's pure Americana at its best. And when I think of Dubuque, I think of uh, baseball, beer and the Bible. <laughs> and that kind of fits my mentality. Uh, and and. And just being able to, I just, I felt like this was a natural fit. And so, uh, I, and I, I'm very grateful that you were able to help me connect. And I didn't know the rules. I didn't know if you had to be on a team all summer and if you're on one or if you had to live in a certain part, like within so many miles. 
because uh, some of the leagues I've played in have those limitations. And so uh, when I saw that, it was just kind of anybody can be on it, but the rule is like you have to uh, you have to be on the same team for the whole tournament or something. I don't know. Just when I saw I was eligible to do it, I'm like, let's do this. And even though uh, five hours from where I live, it, it's it's worth the drive just to be able to compete. And it ended up pitching in a very competitive game and, and had a blast. There are some tournaments, and there used to be more teams, believe it or not, in the Dubuque County Semi-Pro League. There used to be a team in New Vienna, and there used to be teams, it seemed like, in every small town. Some of those have since folded. But yeah, there are some tournaments where you have to submit your roster a couple weeks ahead of time. But right now, I think with the state and we're in and having difficulty finding players, that as long as you put in a roster before the game and they don't play for anybody else... I think you're okay. Now you are a numbers guy and you sent me your stats and you sent me your information <laughs> and I got it out on my social media and I had gotten, I'm going to say roughly eight to 12 messages after I posted your adult league stats and I passed them all along to you. So my question is, how did you end up with the Cascade Reds? How did you decide to go with them i think i know i think i have a hunch but i'm going to see uh, what you say before i give my hunch my the reality is they were the first one to reach out and i tend to be a loyal person and like first come first serve type of thing and so that's that's how it was and then what i didn't realize is uh, a couple people facebook messaged me and with facebook message i get so many messages in my political stuff uh, and my, I don't use my personal that often. And so I didn't see a couple of those messages until it was too late. And so, um, that's, that's how I chose cascade. So yeah, they were the first, my, my guess was, I know you're really busy with your political career and it seems like you are always either at an event, either hosting or a guest speaker. I assume that the Cascade game was the game that worked best with your schedule. But I'm, I'm glad that um, <laughs> you're, you're very loyal because I know for me, and, and, I, and I don't want this to, to be a political show because as an educator, my students, my families don't know my beliefs in politics. I'm strictly I'm an independent. I voted Republican. I voted uh, Democratic. I think I'm actually a registered libertarian, but... <laughs> I love the fact that you were loyal because I, I think that is, is a huge case for, for any, a huge trait for any politician to have. Now, Cascade, they were a team that was one of the top teams back in the day, had a couple of years where they struggled, and they had a really good year this year. How was it to play for the Cascade Reds? What were, what were the guys like? Oh, it was a natural fit. And I, I think for me, like like – they told me they're like hey we don't know how many runs we can get but we have a really good defense i'm like i'm sold give me one run i'll do the rest type of mentality um and it was true like they picked me up they made some great plays behind me and uh had a had a great time talk about your experience you show up and you're playing the key west ramblers in the piasta tournament at the time they were 22 and 2. And their team is pretty much, if you take Clark University, which is a very successful NAIA program, their top players, Clark University's coaching staff, and then it seems like the better. 
prep players that leave the area that come back play for Key West. So you were playing statistically the top team this year. Did you know anything about the Key West Ramblers when you showed up or anything about uh, any scouting reports or did you just say, give me the ball, I'm going to grip and rip? Well, I'll, I'll say I try to do my best and like with online and social media and all that, you keep, you get a little bit, um, and I knew that they were the top team, which, which made me like love the situation because going into this, like I, I, when you go into a new team or whatever, you don't know the level or anything like that. And so, uh, I always, I mean, to this day, even though I'm 42 and, and pitched forever, uh, I, I get nervous all the time and trying part of like my success is I can challenge or like uh, channel that into something um into a, a decent performance and so like i didn't really know i didn't have a scouting report i knew their top three guys were probably going to be pretty uh good hitters and when their top two guys were a little leadoff or or lefty guys uh, I, I those guys drive me nuts and so i knew i was going to be in for some battle but uh uh we and the two-hole hitter i think there was one uh, at bat where he probably fouled off like i don't know five or six we had a, a good battle before he, he ultimately flew out to center. Um, and so it was, it just, it was a great, it was, uh, just level of competition and, and just, um, it was, it was a blast. I had an absolute blast. Would you do it again? Would you come back and in a heartbeat? Again? In a heartbeat. Um, my problem is my schedule and being on the other side of the state. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, first of all, I was so excited when you threw well. <laughs> when I when I saw that tweet and I saw you through a gem, I, I was really proud because I get put in that situation quite a bit where people will contact me looking to play. And I'm always nervous and I'm always hesitant to send guys to play. And you had a high profile. Um, people were excited to get you. People wanted to have you. And if you would have gotten mercy ruled, then <laughs> it, it, it looks bad on me that I'm sending crap guys to go play to get shelled. And, and I would like to think that I have a little bit of credibility here. So thank you for making it look like I know what I'm talking about. And when I send talent out to play that I'm actually sending good legit players thanks for that no problem i'll say also uh, dakota behind the dish what a pleasure throwing for him and i hope the the pitchers at loris appreciate what they have in, in him he, he did a great job back there and like when you can throw to a solid catcher just it makes life i thought like it was a great mound it was a beautiful evening like everything about that just it it, it was a, a perfect situation for me so Dakota Church actually is my student teacher right now. I asked him the very next day to give me a scouting report on you. And he said, you're around 86 with a little slider, but you are hitting all your spots and you have a little late run on your fastball. So my question is, this is where I was going to tip you off at 44. I was going to say at 44 yeah. years old, how do you keep your arm in good shape with such a busy schedule? But we know you're actually 42. So with how busy you are and everything going on right now, especially with the November elections coming up, how, how do you keep your, your arm in shape and how do you stay in shape yourself with such a busy schedule? Uh, I, so it, this was really interesting because this was, I think I only pitched on four days rest, which is the only time I did it. So all summer I pitched once a week. And so I had a pretty good seven day, six, seven, eight day rotation 
Um, and, and every day I, I, I take it very seriously. So every day I have, uh, whether it's a weight program or a running program or a throwing program or, or multiple uh, within that, uh, I have something every day and I prepare for it. I also uh, very strict, even though I, I liked the occasional beer or two, uh, I have a 48 hour rule, 48 hours before I pitch, I don't drink. Um, and, and so like all of that, I think is part of the preparation in that. And so like, to me, it doesn't matter who the other team is. If I prepare myself, uh, and, and whether I like some of my best games, I gave up four in the first and just competed after that, you know? And so like, I don't need to throw like a one hitter or anything like that, um, to, for me to feel good about a game. Um, and so it's, to me, it's about preparation. And so I have a net in my car. And so there's many times where, uh, like last year I went to Hinterland music festival and, uh, one of the mornings I drove to the, uh, I think Norwalk high school and threw on the football field. So I threw a long toss into my net. And so I just, I find little things here and there, uh, to, to keep the arm strength up. Uh, that game was so unique because I had to bounce back, uh, from a tournament I played in just a few days before. And so like, I didn't have my, my best fastball, but I, my, the ball was moving a decent and it was, I only threw my four seam that day. I didn't bother with the two seam. Cause I just tried to keep it simple. Um, change up was brutal that day, but good enough to, uh, to show. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just fun. And, uh, I mean, I think how'd it go after, so it was a seven inning game after five I had a perfect game after six, I had a, a no hitter. And then I gave up in the seventh, we scored two in the bottom of the six and then I gave up. So all I needed was three outs for, for no hitter. And I gave up three straight singles <laughs> and then, then struck the next two guys pop up the last guy and got the complete game shot out. <laughs> now you're here because of that experience, but also a big platform that you have is you want to end MLB blackouts. Now growing up, I became an Oakland A's fan. Why was I an Oakland A's fan? Because they were the best team. They were on Wednesday night baseball. They were always on Sunday night baseball. I could watch the White Sox. I could watch the Cubs. I could watch the Atlanta Braves at any time during the year. And now I get frustrated because I'll sit down to watch a good baseball game. I'll flip on ESPN. I'll flip on MLB Network and the game will be blacked out. So people that don't understand MLB blackouts, especially in Iowa, can you give us a little bit of background on how those blackouts affect us in Iowa? Yeah, so in the state of Iowa, we don't have a major league team, but we're blacked out of six different markets. So that means we, even though if you buy a subscription to MLB TV, you are not able to watch the Twins, the Minnesota Twins, the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago White Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, or the Kansas City Royals. And so the frustrating thing to me, uh, especially with Major League Baseball, they cut two teams, minor league teams in Clinton and Burlington. So we're down to three teams. And those three teams, uh, two are, are uh, um, single A, and that's uh, Cedar Rapids Colonels and the Quad City River Bandits. Yeah. So the Colonels are for the Twins. The Bandits are for the uh, Royals. And then you have the Iowa Cubs at AAA for the, the Cubs. If you watch and go to those games and watch those players, and maybe you fall in love with one of the players and how they play, or you want to just follow their career, when they make it to the bigs, you're not able to follow them. 
And like right now, one of the best stories in Major League Baseball is Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs. We weren't able to to follow that, uh, even though you paid for a subscription. And so to me, this is a bigger um, and this gets a little bit into politics, so I won't go into too deep. But basically what you're seeing here is you have these Major League Baseball owners who are all billionaires or almost all billionaires. And they have this system of revenue that ultimately hurts the regular American people, the, the, the followers. And so like what you mentioned, why you're a baseball fan, like I loved, I'm not a Cubs fan, but I loved coming home from school, watching Sean Dunstan, Mark Grace, uh, all those teams uh, in, in the Hawk, Andre uh, Dawson. Uh, but like, I worry about this next generation because they don't get to have that same access. And, and it's different that like now on social media and, and like I've gotten to be friends through Twitter with uh, pitching ninja and, and some of the uh, social media accounts, but it's not the same uh, that just watching a clip it, than it is to watch a whole game or to understand kind of the feel and, and to make sure that the game is, is thriving for the next generation. Now, last question, and it's an audience question before we hit into that podcast, Killing Double Play, comes from Eric D'Souza from the Bernard Baseball Club. And he wants to know, is there really a legitimate chance that we get to end MLB blackouts in Iowa? It's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie about it. But like, you look at where we were a year ago when it came to minor league baseball, and all of last year or most of last year, I was volunteering with advocates for minor leaguers and they were trying to get better pay, uh, better food uh, for minor league baseball players. Well, we had a big social media uh, um, campaign that helped show some of these people sleeping in their cars or sleeping on the floor in hotel banquet rooms and, and trying to raise awareness of that. And we got major league baseball to move on that. Well, now fast forward, they're unionizing the minor leaguers. Like that was our pipe dream. And we were like, well, that's our goal, but like, we don't think we'll ever go there. But when you have a campaign around something like that, you can really uh, uh, move the needle on some of this stuff. And so one of the things I'm going to be doing here is finding ways from the state ledge, uh, um, what we can do to whether it's laws or, or, or how we allocate money, uh, because Governor Reynolds, I think, gave about $24 million, uh to Major League Baseball to do stuff around Dyersville, uh, which, which I support. Uh, but it, if we're going to do that, we also need something in return, I feel. And um, it's weird for me because, like, I just go across the river, and in Nebraska, it's just the Royals they don't get. And then in South Dakota, which we're a tri-state area in Sioux City, uh, then it's just the Twins. And so... Um, it, it's just, it's really bizarre because it, I mean, being in Western Iowa, it's an eight hour drive to most of these places for me. Um, and I, I, I don't get to watch them. And so, um, it's, it's an uphill battle uh, when you take on, uh, the reason it's there is because there's a lot of money flowing. And when that's the case, all political battles like that are going to be difficult, but it's something that I'm very passionate about and I'm eager to fight and take on headfirst. Thank you for all you do and all you did for the minor leaguers. And I hope you and your team are able to to make that happen. But, yeah, those were the days coming home, <laughs> watching the Cubs, and then watching the Braves at night with Ron Gant, Terry Pendleton, Fred McGriff, David Justice, 
um, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Steve Avery, you name them. Uh, that was a great time. But J.D. Schulten, thanks again for um, joining me on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, 643. We're out of here. Post Game Show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and also subscribe on Spotify.